0: Hi, my name is Ian Riley and I'm Michael Fields, and you're listening to My Best Guess. It's a show where we invite all dads and father figures to join us as we journey through the unique challenges and joys of fatherhood. So grab your coffee and pull up a chair because whether you're a seasoned dad
1: or a soon-to-be, we're excited for you to join us on this episode of My Best Guess. So do you have the same intuition that I do? When I get so I got out of the car to put gas in my car this morning and Lillian was in the back of my car and I went don't go anywhere. I mean, it's like kind of a dad joke, but
0: not, not really. Yeah. It. Yeah. No, I don't do that.
1: It's amusing just to me, though.
0: Hey, I, I think I think half of parenthood is you have to make yourself laugh.
1: I do the same thing. Like I leave her on the mat, real fat. Like leave like she's on the floor, right? She's not up on something, but like I'll leave her on the floor, like on her play mat. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna go. You know, whatever. Take a leak, whatever. And uh, I'm like, don't go anywhere. And I just find that so funny. I just <laughs> laugh at that every single time. Like <laughs> I'm so clever because she can't the, go anywhere, dude. She can't go anywhere, and I'm still telling her to not go anywhere. Her eyes always go, "Where are you going? Yeah, <laughs> where? where are okay, you going? Dad, I'll stay right here. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, I think. Well, I, honestly, it's uh, yeah, uh, it's a joke. I, I, at this point, you know, with having two two year olds, there is no finding finding the humor. And the small jokes like that, you know, I, I can't, it's just tiring. I'm just tired. I mean, like, I think most of, the, most of the jokes come at night. You know, kids are in bed, and then Cass and I lay there. And and in the, the, you know, embracing, look out, the challenges and joys of parenthood, we, uh, at that point, the jokes come out. But whenever I say something to them, you know, and then they're just like, I want pretzels. And I try to make a joke and they're like, I still want pretzels. I'm like, okay, well, this conversation's over. You'll never appreciate how funny your dad is. Exactly. Well, the funny
1: thing is like, yeah, you said like we don't have much energy and I totally agree with that because when when I make a joke like that, that's really just for me, right? It's not for the baby. She's not going to laugh at my joke. Um, I don't really laugh. I just kind of... It's amusing, but it doesn't even bring. Honestly, it just doesn't even crack a smile on my face. And I, even, I think that's not even the like nature. A half smile? I think
0: the half smile has come out every now and then. You are like, <laughs> yeah, that maybe, was a good one. Maybe no one is here for if that, but it's, it was it's good. really good, yeah, yeah. Don't go anywhere. Speaking of the finding finding the joy and the laughter in in uh, in parenthood today, we're talking about the the expectations that we had going into fatherhood and the reality that is fatherhood. And I, this is a, a unique one. Cause I, you, I, I didn't understand how not funny parenthood would be, but at the same time, it's also hysterical. You know, do you know what I mean? Where it's like, this is weird juxtaposition of like, there's nothing funny about waking up at 2am, 3am, then 4am, then 5am. Like there's no, it's just it's, it's the comedy of the absurd.
1: Yeah. Is when yeah, you're just yeah. at your lowest point and you look over at your wife and you're just like Yeah. This yeah. is the this is as low as I go yep. as a human being
0: <laughs> and you get to be here with me. It's like this yeah, it's like this weird um it's a weird it's both. It's both uh like immense um suffering at times, you know, but, but even in the suffering, right? Like just get, give it three minutes, you know, and then look back and try to objectively look through, okay, what just happened? I was changing a diaper. There was pee everywhere. And then there was poop everywhere. And then immediately spit up, you know, and then, you know, like in the moment you're just like, God, you've left, you've gone. <laughs> you, you're you no longer here. And then, you know, five minutes later, you can look back and say like, okay, that was just absolutely insane. And it's a story worth telling later. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's for sure. But Michael, what so what, what's what's some what are some things that come to mind when you think of like what you what you maybe anticipated or expected in fatherhood and then it came and it was like, Oh, that's not what I not what I thought it was gonna be like.
1: Well, the main one for me, and it's obviously a downer, but is just I expected that she would be born healthy and just ready to go. Yeah. And she wasn't like she was born at 35 weeks and six days and it was really hard because they immediately kind of shipped her off to the NICU and intubated her almost immediately. Um, cause she couldn't breathe on her own. Like she was having trouble. And so, and that was just unbelievably hard. Um, and especially for Gabby, because, you know, I didn't get to go, well, another unmet expectation of that whole experience was that I didn't get to go back with her when she delivered because her spinal tap during the C-section didn't work. And so they had to put Gabby under to when they did her C-section. And so they were like, yeah, you can't actually be back there um, when she delivers, which I was like, that sucks. But, um, but yeah. And then Gabby was upset because she was like, oh, I don't have my support, you know, to be there with me. And they didn't really give her time to, process that and so they just kind of were like okay we need to do this like we're started so we need to get going so they put her under and then like she was waking up like oh my gosh you know where's the baby what's going on um I think they let her hold Lillian for just a minute and then took her off to the NICU um and uh and so I got I went down there with her and you know they were I was there when they were strapping her up with all the different cords and different things that they put you know uh for monitors and just different things like that and then, oh, my gosh, you know, like once all the doctors and nurses were gone and, you know, it's just like you go in there and, you know, you just see your your daughter in that little see-through cube and she's just, you know, it, the she's got this machine breathing for her and she's having a tough time and you're just like, oh, my gosh, you know, this is not how I yeah. expected this to look. Um, and then because they put, like, when we were in the hospital, I mean, they've got that little – you know, um, bassinet kind of thing, you know, in the room with you, the warmer incubator thing. And, you know, you think, oh, the baby's going to go in there. Nope. So, um, and it, it was hard for Gabby to, you know, I went up and checked on her and she was like, oh my gosh, you know, where, where is she? How is she doing? What did they say? And you kind of have to give your report of like, well, I don't really know, you know, yeah, <laughs> they didn't really yeah. tell me what, you know, super, you know, super clear what's going on. So, Um, so that'd be, I guess my first one was just that whole experience. And then, you know, there's a whole kind of journey through that process of like, you know, first they had to wean her oxygen down and then they had to, you know, she had to learn how to eat from a bottle. And then, you know, there was some breastfeeding in there, just different things like that. And so, um, so that was, that was one of the main, the main ones was, was just her, um, not being born the way we expected her to yeah. be born.
0: Something something that you did, um, I think, really well in that. That was a really hard, you know, month. Two, how long was she um, in the hospital? 16 days. Oh, my gosh. It uh, felt like it felt longer. Oh, yeah. yeah. Every
1: day just feels like forever. And then, well, and then, like, you know, I mean, some parents are in there for... I mean cuz some some babies come so premature yeah. that they're in there for months and you're just like good lord you know I saw babies in there that were
0: tiny tiny yeah. tiny. Oh that's so scary. What something that you did really really well and all that was you just you always seemed strong. And and I know that like there was there was doubts and there was fears and and whatever but you you had and we talked about this like you just had this sense of faith of like this is going to pan out you know. this, this is going to, things are going to work out. But, um, and Gabby also, I saw a lot of, obviously just so much strength in her and all that season. Um, but your, you know, your first, um, experience in fatherhood is like immense challenge. And like the, all, all the dads out there, you know, it's like, I'm where, you know, uh, that Michael's experience was not Cassidy's and I experienced. And, and I still had challenge like that. Fatherhood is just a challenge, especially, you know, the newborn phase. Um, but, Michael, I would say that you you faced probably some abnormal difficulty, you know, in, in all that. What was, when you look back, and we talked, and I'm getting to the question, just hold, hold, hold on. Uh, you know, but we had talked before about, like, you know, the, your role as a dad in the first years, you're the court jester, you know, and, like, you're just, you're you're fun, and you're, you're just trying to lighten the mood a little bit. What was the role there, you know, and how did you step up to the plate cuz you did, you know, but but, um, but what was the thought process there or or what was the driving force of like okay, this is my right now this is my only experience of a dad. It's really hard. How did you step into that with strength, with faith, um and seemingly just a lot of grace for the situation? Um
1: well, I mean, I it was i mean it was just hard like because when i went into that situation i didn't really fully understand or process what was happening um like when they had her on breathing tubes and all these different things i mean i i was like i don't i don't really know what this means like i don't know any statistics about like how quickly babies come off of these things or how many do and you know what i mean I'd, so I didn't really think – I wasn't thinking like worst-case scenario because I'm yeah. just not that kind of person. Like when I'm faced with a difficult situation, I don't think, oh, this is the worst case. I just I – th- I thought, oh, they just need to wean her oxygen down a little bit and it's going to take a little while and it's not a big deal and, you know, that's fine. And that's ended up being what happened. Um, but some babies, they take longer. Like they, yeah. they have to practice breathing for quite a, l- a while um, different things that, and I got very frustrated with the feeding piece of it. Um, cause she had to learn how to eat out of a bottle. And that was, that was extremely frustrating because it's like, you know, everything in me is like, well, she's only taking, you know, 30 milliliters or whatever. And she needs to be taking 60. Well, just, you know, if she's not hun- like, they were feeding her on a schedule. I was like, if she's not hungry and is not going to take 30 milliliters, not going to take 60, like just. Why are you feeding her that extra through a tube? You know, because they had her, they had her like, they had that nasal whatever thing that they were feeding her through too. And so I was like, why are you doing, like, why are you feeding her that extra? Like, why don't you just let her, you know, she's like, let her take what she's going to take. And then next time she'll be hungrier and she'll take more and then she can practice more and more. And they were like, yeah, that's not how it works. And I was like, okay, well. Guess you guys know better than me, so it's yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. just a hard process. But I think for me, um, I just set my mind to okay, where am I most useful here? Um, when I enter a hard situation, that's ex- that's my first thought is where where can I be most useful in this situation? And uh, for me, that was you know that was really more being with Gabby and reassuring her and giving her a report, you know what the doctors are saying and. Helping her get out of bed from the C section and like you know walk around and practice and do different things, wheeling her down to the NICU to see Lilian, um, just trying to be everything I could be for her in that situation because she couldn't yeah. do a lot of things by herself. Um, washing the pump parts, you know, in the middle of the night, just several different things like that. I just, I guess that was my thought: is how can I be the most useful? in this situation that i can be because those are the only things that i can really control i can't control like i can't i couldn't control her oxygen weaning yeah like there's nothing i can do as far as her being intubated and then the other thing that i tried to do was bring a perspective and i think that's like the court jester thing a little bit is okay you know this isn't as bad as you know it may it may seem um, and the perspective that I brought was like when she weaned off, uh, so when she was intubated and, you know, she was on a, a breather, um, she could like, I could, I watched her, she would get upset, but she couldn't cry. Like she couldn't make sounds yeah. because the, the tube interfered with her, uh, vocal cords. And so when she came off of the, into, uh, of being intubated, um, and she, I guess they put her on like a nasal cannula or or a CPAP or something like that. She started to cry. Yeah. And I was like, um, and I immediately was like, thank you, God, for these cries. Yeah. Because before she couldn't cry and now she can. And that's good. That's a sign of life and, and kind of. And, and so, and, yeah, yeah, and you know. so even now, you know, when she cries, you know, I remind Gabby, even in the frustrating times, I'm like, hey, gosh, you yeah. know, she used to not do this, Man. just so you know, because she couldn't, she couldn't breathe, and so now she can breathe. She breathes so well that she, you know, screams our bloody ears off. Yeah, and it's like, you know, to look at that and to think, hey, you know, this is a good thing. Yeah. You know, that she can do that and that she feels. Because she also does that because she knows mom and dad are gonna take care of her, right? You know, there's some kids. I mean, I read this in a book a while ago that I think I got from you guys. um, That there's a lot of kids in these like orphanages and different things across the world, and they'll, you know, there'll be one worker to like 30 kids Uh or 40 kids, yeah. And they they just stop crying. If you go into those orphanages, they're just silent because they aren't getting their needs met, and they just shut down. So, yeah. I just I I I just would continually remind myself of that and remind Gabby of that of like, hey, this is good, you know. Yeah. Even if this is hard, this is this is good. She's developing. She's doing good.
0: That's such a good perspective. And it's also I I just give a honorable mention to the the mindset of like, how can I be useful? That mindset is hard to have on on our best days. Like right when you're thinking through things like how can I be useful? Um I would I would argue there's a lot of just general selflessness in that you know of like okay how do I offer myself up to something, and if, you know if you're two cups of coffee and you're in like you know it's the ten to to twelve um ten a.m. to twelve p.m. zone and maybe that's just like you're super high functioning at that time, and you're thinking how can I be useful, uh, even then right it's a it's a you're pushing yourself to like serve someone or to serve something and not just to serve yourself, right? Like, how can I be useful in this situation? But in that moment, you know, especially in the, those times in the hospital, and I know that you kept that mindset long after, but you're sort of at your worst as far as, like, high-functioning abilities. You know, like, you're running low on sleep. You're not eating what you normally eat. You know, so your diet might be making you feel a little weird. Um, you're, it's emotionally draining, the, the position you're in, and yet you still had the mindset, how can I be useful, like that, that's a lot, you know, like it's a lot to, to get there with yourself, just like, even in these moments where I have three hours of sleep, this is challenging, but honestly, I think I've deserved, I've earned, uh, you know, uh, I can sit on the couch, you know, for five minutes and scroll on my phone or to read a book or just to close my eyes and and relax, but to have that mindset of how can I be useful even now, you know, um, yeah, big shout out. That's a, That's a hard thing.
1: Yeah, the the panic that sets in in that situation, I mean, like, it's just like there's so much going on. There's so much needed. There's so many changes and so much happening. And it's like, you know, I think you just you're in that situation and you just go, what can I control? You know, I, I, you know, and because there's two there's kind of two options you can either throw your hands up and go whatever you know i i can't do anything about this well there's really three options or you can get mad and just be pissed off that you can't control anything and then you can just be stomping around um angry that you can't do anything um which i tried not to do that yeah um because i don't think that's useful and then there's this other thing and i i don't take I i won't take credit for that i mean like um there's uh there's a couple of you know, people that I have, uh, or I guess quotes or just different things that I think about, you know, when I'm in those situations, the first being, um, Jordan Peterson's, you know, be the most useful, I think this was in his 10 rules for life book. Um, you know, be, it's like, it's something akin to be the most useful person at your dad's funeral, yeah. you know, be the kind of man who's the most useful person at your dad's funeral, because that's the hardest thing ever, right? Is to, especially if you have a close relationship with your father, you know, to be, you know, to be that strength for your mother and your sisters and brothers and all those different things, you know, and to be the backbone for all of that. Um, I mean, that's something that you can do. You can take on that responsibility and that will make you feel better. Yeah. And it will also make everybody else's lives easier um, and then the other thing, the other one, quote that I think about is, uh, is kind of funny. Like I, I watched that, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger documentary, um, camera, what it's called, um, not pumping iron, but the one that he put on, I think it's just called Arnold maybe yeah, on sure. Netflix. And, uh, he was talking about his dad and he had a complicated relationship with his dad, but his dad taught him whatever you do, Arnold be useful. Yeah. Be be useful out there in the world, whatever it is you do. I don't care what you do, but be useful at it. And I think that's a great piece of advice for anybody who's going through a hard situation is, you know, find what you can do to be useful and do that
0: thing. Um, Yeah, that is good because it's it's relatively a low bar. Right. Like, you can be useful and maybe not make a huge impact. Sure. But you're useful. And then uh, maybe what that does to your psychology of, like, I added to that, you know, as a part of that. And um, But then, of course, like, the idea there is, right, they're, they're probably not just saying be useful in any degree, but be useful to a higher degree, you know. But um, but to start low, it's like, okay, well, I'm, I can't, you know, fix this situation, but I can sleep, you know, I can make this at least a cleaner room to mm-hmm. suffer in you know or yep. what you know whatever it is um yeah that's uh that's a really cool um that's a good a good mindset perspective something this is not something that i initially wrote down but it's coming to mind now is something that i did anticipate going into fatherhood like okay some of the hobbies that i have i'll have to adjust you know my my expectation of of how often i can participate in them so like some hobbies that I had before kids is I pretty regularly, I'd, I'd go out and play basketball with friends. Um, I, uh, would go to the gym. I played video games. I played music. Um, I did, you know, like I just had like a, I, I, I do, I think maybe a someone might say I have a, a fault of too many hobbies. I don't, I, I'm not one to say like, you, you know, you need hobbies. I'm like that, that I'm a big advocate of hobbies. I probably lean too far into that, you know, where it's like I just pick up too many things, you know. Um it it probably would be nice to just hone in and like these I do these. I do the two things, you know, but then it just becomes work. Though. I do too many. I know. I just have so many freaking hobbies. It's fun. Uh but uh but you know like I knew going into fatherhood that that would have to be adjusted. I you know, I'm not going to do as much. And and so my first experience with fatherhood is that we had um to foster kids um we had a three-year-old and a two-year-old and i did i i think that i accurately sort of adjusted expectations and i think i met that what you know reality was true to what i, I anticipated you know so like i went from playing i don't know how many you know hours of, wa- of games or watching movies because that's another hobby i do like to watch like movies, and not, like, passively. I really do enjoy watching, like... Good movies. Yeah, good movies, and how are they breaking down the scene? Like Like the Birdman. Oh, my gosh. Birdman's the best movie ever made. (laughs) And, so, you know, I'm, like, you know, I'm having, and I'm, like, oh, when we started fostering, it's, like, all that went down pretty tremendously, you know? It's, like, okay, so I have a little bit of time, maybe during nap time, but then I I also need to be, I want to, not just need, but I want to hang out with my wife. Like, that's, you know, like, I want to feed that relationship, and then when they go to bed, it's the same thing. Like how many nights do I actually get to, you know, am I going to come out here and play a game or am I going to go and, and spend time with my wife and just balancing that where it used to be like, we didn't have kids we just do whatever, you know? And anyway, so I, I think when we were fostering two kids that I, I accurately adjusted my schedule and I knew I, I, what I anticipated was reality. Having a newborn that was not, like, you like, and I'm not gonna tell anybody. Like, if you're preparing to to um have a kid, or or you you maybe in the future you're you're wanting to have a kid, I'm not gonna sit here and tell you like you're not gonna do any of your hobbies because like who, you you might, and if you yeah. can, praise the Lord. You know, if you get time to read a book, if you have energy to do that, or you know, m- still go on walks, you know, do do all the things. But, but I I would say that whatever you're expecting you know, um, however, however many hours or minutes, um, that you think that you might continue to do those hobbies after having a newborn, I would probably say like, drop that by half. <laughs> like, yeah. like I, you know, I, I felt like my hobbies all just went way down right when we, when we had it, had our uh, first bio kid. And be, per- and just be
1: prepared to be interrupted. Oh like my gosh! In, in yeah. the middle of your yeah. Because yeah. sometimes, yeah, I, I agree with you. Because sometimes, like, I'll be in the middle of something and you know, be like, "Hey, Michael, can you go heat up a bottle? Can you grab a burp rag? Can you grab a binky? Can you do seven different things?" And I'm like, "Uh, I'm like, sure, yeah, why not?" And just being interruptible in that moment yes. is useful because you're not, you know, angry about it. Um, yep. But yep. you have to go in with the expectation that, okay, you know, whatever I'm gonna do. Like, it's going to be interrupted. Yes. A hundred percent. Yes.
0: And so that's that's a good point to make because I did, um, even if I, you know, so I did keep, uh, continue to play video games, but the games I played changed. Like, I no longer played games that um, uh, were online or anything like that where I was yeah. playing with other people because I knew that I'd be interrupted and that's not a good experience for them. And if it's a highly competitive game, it's a horrible experience for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so I I stopped. I stopped playing almost all online multiplayer competitive games and I went to reading more books. Um and if I did play a game, it was more of a story, you know, driven game that I could pause at any point, you know, as if I was just watching a movie. Like, hey, I can pause and do whatever. Like there's nothing depending on me on the other side of this, you know, like I can just I can stop and come back later and no no problem. Um but that that expectation um Versus the whole idea of expectation versus reality, like that—that's a huge one. Like, I would I would encourage all dads, um, to examine your hobbies, you know, and like, which one can I can I do, and and um, give a lot of thought into that, you know, but when when you're going to have a kid, and if you're a dad now, and you feel like yeah that happened, I stopped doing my hobbies when I had a kid, and I just never picked them back up. I would encourage you, again, like I'm a big. Um, advocate of hobbies, I w- I would encourage you now. Like, there are hobbies you can do. You can have hobbies as a dad, um, as a parent, um, and yeah, start to start to look at what are some fun hobbies that you can pick up. I can quickly go through. No, this is a waste of time. But I'll, but walking, running, those two I do. The gym, <laughs> games, movies, books. I think that's it for me. Yeah. Music. Podcasting. Come on. Podcasting. Come on, somebody. Yeah. I, uh,
1: I, I have similar hobbies. I would say probably, honestly, it's it's really hard right now because I'm in this space of like, you know, I, I want to dedicate time to the podcast. I want to dedicate time to my CPA studies. Um, you know, work is crazy right now. So trying to dedicate a lot of time to that. Um, I want to come out and like play with Lillianne, you know, when she's awake, uh, during those precious, you know, wake windows that she has, I want to be there to, um, to kind of, you know, practice her words with her. Like, I mean, obviously she can't talk, but like, yeah. you know, the babbling and just different things. Like I've been practicing, like, you know, can you say hi, can you say I, ah, uh, oh, like those different things. And you can see her trying to mimic, you know, with her mouth, sure. which is just hilarious. I just love, love doing that with her. Um, and that's been really fun and and precious. Um, and then just that precious time with my wife too. Like, you know, I'm trying to. I you know, we 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 get those moments together after Lillian goes to bed or whatever, and it's just like I'm trying to muster the inner the remainder of the energy I have from the day and just kind of like engage in a conversation. But, um, but yeah, I'm still still you know still doing so, a little bit of gaming now and then and just different things like that. But. Um. Yeah. Hobbies. Hobbies are are a tough one. Let's talk about. Uh, we've already t- touched on it a couple of times. Let's talk about sleep. Though. Oh my
0: gosh, bro. Sleep.
1: Sleep. Sleep is tough. And uh, I remember so early on. This was a weird one for me because I expected sleep to be minimal an issue. Yeah. 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 I expected it to be very minimal. Um. And so I went in thinking it's going to be this is going to suck. You know, it's just, I'm just going to have to get over it. Um, and I think Gabby went in the same, same kind of mindset. What I didn't expect though, is that, um, is, is kind of weird when, so when she went to the NICU, I thought, Oh, you know, we're, it's going to be okay. Cause we're going to be able, like they're going to feed her and do all the things. So I'm, I, I don't need, like I can sleep on this hospital couch. And it's going to be great. Yeah, I'm going to get great sleep. And then I didn't realize that, well, when Gabby's milk came in, she had to pump every three hours or mm-hmm. whatever it is. Yep. So, at you know, and I had to wash the pump parts because she couldn't get out of bed. So at that at the very moment that Gabby started pumping, that was the moment that my life ended. Yeah. Yep. As far as sleep sure. is concerned. Yep. Um, so cause I just had to get up every single time. So, and that was so annoying. It's not, I don't necessarily, I still don't really believe it's the, it's not the total hours of sleep necessarily that you lose. Cause I think you, your body naturally makes these things up. Like you have to, like you have to sleep a certain amount to survive. So it's like, you're going to take a nap from time to time and just do different things. You're going to catch up a little bit. It's just how much it's yeah. interrupted. Yeah, the REM cycles and yes. whatever. In the, yeah, yeah. That's the biggest problem is it's interrupted every couple, three hours. And um, I'll I'll share my story, and then Ian, can, you can talk about yours. Um, but the, uh, sorry, my mic's a little weird. Um, but basically, you know, what we did was we, we you know, got her home, and then um, we immediately were like, okay, we're going to take, we're going to like, Switch off. We're just going to every every other feeding or every other time she wakes up, we're going to comfort, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. And uh, and so Gabby would wake up, then I would wake up, then she would wake up. And it was just miserable. Mm-hmm. It was awful mm-hmm. for probably, I don't know, probably three or four weeks. It was like that. And then she's obviously she's developing during that time and everything. But then at that point, Gabby was like, I've had enough of this crap. And I've shared this multiple times. We were like, we're going to switch to this like six hour shift thing. And so we were like, okay, so Gabby took, I took the eight o'clock to to two in the morning shift and I hated that. Mm -hmm. I watched, I think I watched, I watched so many, I watched like three or four movies, you know, over those couple of days um just like you know trying to keep myself awake like i gamed a little bit like i did some different things but i was still like gosh this is such a yeah, long yeah. time like this is uh, like and i'm i'm not a night owl like i was never the kind of person in college to like study for you know like yeah. late nights you know before the exam whatever i would go to bed at like 10 and be like hey when i know what i know you mm-hmm. know yeah. what it is <laughs> and so um and that's just how it was but I've always been kind of a morning person, though, ever since, you know, I don't know, probably like my second year of college. I was like, I I enjoy getting up early and having, you know, a lot more time in my day. So um, so after a few nights, I was like, hey, why don't you let me take the morning shift? I'll just take the 2 a.m., whatever, till whenever I need to start work and then I'll come get you and you can wake up. And she said, Okay, Um, because she's a night owl and she hates waking up early. So it really worked for our personalities. And so I would wake up. At two, and then you know I'd feed her, put her back down, and then I would just like game, make a muffin, drink coffee, whatever, um, and uh, and it was it was great for a little while, and then you know it got to this point yeah. where she was waking up a lot, and we were like, okay, yeah. you know she's old enough that we can start doing a little bit of sleep training, so we start doing that, and so ever since then it's been a little bit more stable. Um, except for, you know, every few nights she yep, wakes up yep, and sure. she's like, Hey, what the heck is going on? Yeah. And yeah. she regresses a little bit. So yeah, that's that's been that's been my experience. It hasn't been I would say just in short, it hasn't been as I would say it hasn't been as bad as maybe it could be, because I knew going in that it wasn't it was gonna be hard. So yep, it's like yep. you set your expectations up so high. If you're bl- if you're blindsided by if you think like a newborn's going to sleep through the night and you're going to just do everything you normally did, you know, and then you got blindsided and you're like, "Oh, they have to eat every two or yep. three. Like cuz I, c- I can imagine some dads might think that if they're not, you know, thinking. Sure. And, you know, if that happens, it's like, "Oh my
0: gosh.
1: I can't imagine how that would be, you know, to have that expectation just
0: shattered." Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I, you know, so I, okay, so the a story of my life has been when someone labels something certainly over me, they you the know, like casting something in my in, into my future, I just like, I reject it in the moment. I'm like, no, yeah. I, I don't accept that. So, like, a, example, you know, um, a big narrative is people will say, like, oh, the first year of your marriage is the hardest, you know. And so when Cass and I, we get engaged and we're preparing for, you know, uh, marriage and people are saying, oh, first year is your hardest. And I just said, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's not going to be. And we're we're prepared for marriage and we're going to keep investing in each other in our relationship. And our first year is going to be the best year. And I, I reject, I, I literally in that conversation, you know, I say, like, no, I reject that. I, yeah. I well, don't, well,
1: that's false anyway, because there's it's called the it's called the seven year itch for a reason. <laughs> it's the seventh <laughs> year that's the hardest.
0: Um, but uh, yeah, and our first year was great, you know. And so was, there you go. You can reject that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, re- <laughs> I do reject that seven year. And so I was like, no, I no, that's not that's not going to be my experience. And I I just I refuse that. There was one time I was preparing to take students to a uh, uh, camp as a youth pastor. Um, and it was gonna be my first year sort of leading through camp, you know, and someone's like, Hey, you know, first year is it's gonna be terrible. A lot of things bad, you know, a lot of bad things are gonna happen. And I just said, No, I like in Jesus' name, no, that's not true. Like I'm I'm prepared for camp. My leaders are prepared for camp. I've done everything that I know how to, and I'm gonna trust like that that's gonna be we're gonna have a good year. And like it's camp, right? So like sure, small things happened here and there, but like overall it was really was a good camp and and everything was fine. So, you know, so that's just sort of my, I I just reject, you know, the negativity that someone might try to pour into my future. Like, no, like that, if that happens, it happens, but like, I'm not, it's not going to be because I just sat here and and waited for, you know, something to be miserable. Well, we get pregnant and uh, people start to tell us like, oh no. Yeah. The first year you just don't sleep. You're not going to sleep. It's going to be terrible. You're not going to sleep. And I same right. Same narrative. No. I reject that. That is not true. I we're we're gonna figure this out, and it's gonna be fine. And I know, like I'm, I wasn't ignorant. I know that there is developmentally some things that like, I can't change. Like that's just how the human body develops, and like I know that. But it's like no, I, it's not gonna be as bad as you know. Well, boy, gosh, yeah. About a month in, I go talk to those same people, and I was like, hey, you just don't sleep. It just sucks. know, <laughs> yeah,
2: like everything
0: yeah. that they had said was 100 percent true for us. Um, in fact, our, our daughter had a really, really hard time. And honestly, I think part of this was on us that we, we didn't give her enough room to, to grow and learn, um, how to be, how to, how to sleep well, you know? So I, for sure, I take a lot of the blame here, um, but she didn't sleep through the night at least consistently as in like three times a week, four times a week did not happen until she was maybe, I don't know, 13 months old. That might be, I might be. Early, it might have been like 16 months, 18 months. It was a long, long time. Uh, and again, uh, I chalked that up. It's probably, honestly, it might be 70, 30 on us. Like, we we do, we didn't commit to different sleep training principles and strategies. And um, we really wanted to give her lots of room to, to learn how to do it. But anyway, but that was, it's funny though, right? Because that's something that I had every reason to expect the sleep. To be a problem. I had every reason to expect it. And I just rejected it. I was like, no, that's not gonna be our our story. That's not gonna be true for us. And it's like more true for us than it seems to be true for half of other people. <laughs> you know, where it's like we talk about, oh yeah, Eliza, she still's not sleeping and she's 16 months old. And everyone's like, What? <laughs> yeah, really? <laughs> What's wrong with yeah, you? I know. <laughs> so it's like it's been more true for us than it feels like for so many other parents. Um it's like, oh my gosh! But on on that, like, it's I I'm saying this not not for it to sound just like incredibly defeating because again, like, I'm not one to just speak negativity over people. I'm like, don't, you know, like this this isn't just a general truth, you know. But but just for me and my experience, and and hopefully something for you. Like, um, something I wrote is is that you so the expectations that you might you might just adapt to a sleep schedule and then life goes on and you kind of figure it out. That's sort of true, but not entirely. So like you to me, it feels like you don't really like adapt. I wouldn't say that my body started to just like function really highly and like, oh yeah, no, I'm just adjusted to sleeping four hours. You know, like no, you don't just adjust to sleeping four hours, you just get over it. Yeah. That's and that's different than adjusting. You know what I'm saying? It's not like you I feel like adjusting is when you adjust and get comfortable and like, okay, we're here. We're good. But it's like You don't, you don't adjust to just getting punched in the ribs every day. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't, it's not something that just you grow numb to it. Like it hurts every day. Like it's never fun, you know, but you do just sort of get over it. (laughs) Like, but see, and, and that, 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 that's only my experience. And, um, so like take it for what it is, but as you're preparing to maybe have another kid and, and you're maybe building up your thought process is getting ready for that season or you're about to have your first, I would, for me and my experience, if I, if I gave any sort of wisdom or, or help you set expectations, it's like, yeah, it's going to be a punch in the rib every day, you know, but take it for what it is. And like, there is a lot of, there are a lot of sweet moments. And, and when you have mindsets, like I wish I would have had that mindset of like, how can I be useful today? That's a motivating Thought, you know, and it's a growth oriented thought to help you just drive through that day. Like, how do I, you know, I wake up? Yeah, I know I slept four hours. Those four hours were interrupted every time. It's not like I slept four hours straight and got a good, you know, REM cycle in or whatever. Like, I never had any deep sleep that night at all, but I'm up and I got to go to work, you know, and we're going to do this attack the day. How can I be useful at work? How can I be useful at home? And then chalk it up as a win, you know, and move on and just yeah it's it's a it's a it's certainly a grind you know but but also I wouldn't wait as as long as i did to to introduce sleep training honestly I don't know the psychology behind everything and like where developmentally kids are like I don't know the science right so I could just be terribly wrong this is this show is called my best guess right so forgive me for guessing but i i i guess I would probably er on the side where michael you and you and gabby are doing it where it's like Try to introduce it maybe too early. I'd rather do it too early and then, like, okay, let's wait and start again later than do what I did, and, you know, which is just wait way too long to where her habits of waking up and coming to get us, whatever, it's just already so ingrained in her. You know, yeah. but I'm I'm trying now to, to break a habit of hers rather than introduce something really healthy for her. I'm doing, you know, so.
1: Yeah, I would say, like, and so when I say I should define this, so it's like when I say sleep training, what I'm talking about is is just teaching her how to self soothe a little bit. And I read, you know, I've read people online. They're like, "Oh, babies can't self soothe," and that is a hundred percent untrue because I've watched my daughter self soothe. She literally sticks her thumb or her fist in her mouth, yeah, sucks yep. on it, and goes back to sleep. I mean, I've watched her do that. Um, and she's got, she actually gotten pretty good at it. It's kind of cool to, to see the first time I saw her do it, I was like, wow, she is so smart. I was like, this is so cool. Cause I, I, you know, we had been doing, well, let, let me go back. So basically the way it works is we put her down awake into the crib and then, and she's around three months old. So this is developmentally a little bit early, but we wanted to practice with her. So we put her down into the crib. Five. We walk out. Leave her in there for five minutes. Of course, she's gonna cry. Mm-hmm. Crying is obviously the sad part. It's hard on the parents. Our pediatrician was like, "It's harder on the parents than it is for for the baby." So just keep that in mind. And you can tell that she's developmentally like. You can tell that she's doing a little bit of this crying behaviorally, rather than, um, I actually need something. Yeah, you know. Um, cause I can tell the difference. I mean, when she's hungry, I can really, I really can tell if she's hungry because I can like, and when I go in there, you know, if she's crying, like she's hungry, I can test it by, you know, rubbing my finger on her cheek and she'll kind of move her sure. head toward that. So we put her in there for five minutes and then she cries. Obviously we go back in, you know, we comfort, put her, put our hand on her chest. Hey, it's okay. Don't, we don't take her out of the crib and hold her, what we do is we just put yep, our hand on yep, her and, yep. you know, comfort. And she used, like for me, she comforted for me really, really well. She'd be like, Oh, dad's here. You know, whatever. She would stop crying and I would replace the pacifier cause she's not old enough to replace it herself. And then I would leave. And then, you know, she'd start crying again, 10 minutes. I would go back in and it's called, it's like this gradual extinction, I think process is what it's called. And then, but we never actually, we never actually did the extinction Thing. like we never actually just stopped going in all together we would just go in comfort so he did that and she would she never it goes 5 10 15 minutes and she never made it to the 15 minute mark yeah. until you know later. until like you know after we had done it for a week or week and a half um she would just and and she learned how to self-soothe we we watched her the first night was hard the second night was hard the third night was hard and then one night I was doing my shift like normal and I watched her on the camera and I went in there after five minutes, comforted her, came out, looked at and watched. I watched the monitor and sh- her crying was high pitched and then kind of slowly came down. And then there was this magical moment where she stuck her thumb in her mouth or stuck her fist in her mouth and she just silenced. And I was like, oh my gosh. She's doing it. And then she went to sleep, and I didn't have to go back in there. Oh, come on. I was like, whoa, that's crazy. And then I think the next time, I didn't even have to go in there. She just cried for a little bit, stuck her hand in there, and I didn't even have to go in. She just put herself right back to sleep. I was like, wow, that's crazy. That's so cool. And so – Um and it really it it gave me a sense of pride. I was like, oh, that's great. Yeah. And I think what most people think of when they think of sleep training, if they don't know anything about it, is they they think or they have never done it before. Is like, oh, you're just torturing them because they're crying for an hour and you're not going in there. And it's like, that's not necessarily true. We have recently. It's hard because I know I'm going on and on about this, but I think I do think it's it's good to like you know put some put some language to it and just tell you what we're doing. But um, but she did. She did have this, you know, she she has gotten to this point where, like, if we go in there now to comfort her, she does know how to self-soothe now. If we go in there to comfort her, she gets pissed. Oh. She gets mad. Like, if we, because we'll go in there and we're like, hey, it's okay, it's okay. And she'll ramp up because she's like, hey, yeah. you know, you're in the middle of, I don't know if she's, well, she's obviously not thinking really sure, anything. Sure, but, sure. like, I don't know what behaviorally is going on, but she's getting angry, and we're like, honestly, it's best if we just let her do her thing now. Like, yeah. And so yeah. we just kind of let her um, figure herself out. And she does, like, every time. And if she doesn't, after 15 minutes, like, if she's crying for a long time, we'll go, okay, like, let's go in there and see, like, maybe she has a dirty diaper or something like that. And so you just have to be attentive to that and see. Sure. But, um, but, yeah, it's been – that's been uh, honestly fun uh, in a sense of – you know, being able to see her develop and progress in that way. Um, but, yeah, that's that's kind of what I mean by, by yeah, sleep yeah, training yeah. for you people out there.
0: We're um, just for the sake of, of time, I would like, and then just if you have some to, you know, to, to just kind of speed round, go through these, because uh, I also do want to brag on a deck. Um, I have a, and I, I'm seriously, I'm just going to, fly through these. So, um, one, one belief that I have or had was that you, you parent, how you parent one size fits all, you know, like I am this kind of parent so that that's what I bring. And every kid that I ever have is going to get this out of me. There's some truth, right? To like, yeah, like if you, however you are, you're new uniquely gifted to parents and to do whatever, like do that. Don't deprive your kid of, of who you are, but every child is different. And how I parented, you know, when we fostered a three- and two-year-old, how I parented the three, three-year-old three and the two-year-old was different. I had to treat them differently in, in different ways to, to honor what makes them uniquely them, but also give them the best of who I uniquely am. And then same with our daughter. I parent her one way, and now that we're fostering another two-year-old, I'm like, oh, no, I'm, I have to parent him a little bit differently. You know, so every kid is different. You'll hear that a lot, but I think even when I heard that a lot, I still went into parenthood like, "This is who I am as a parent," and now I'm learning like, "Yeah, I'm gonna give them who I uniquely am," but I'm also one hundred percent. You sort of have to cater to who they uniquely are, and whenever I feel like I'm robbing them of who they are and of who I am when I'm doing something other than that, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have one? Or can I? Keep-
1: um. Yeah i've I've got one. Um. I would say, uh, one thing that was different from my expectations was like that. And I'll, I'll just, I'll just quickly go by this was like how hard the C-section was. I didn't realize how involved the recovery process was. Um, But it was a really sweet uh, kind of intimate relationship building time for me and Gabby. Um, Like she really did have to rely on me. In a, in a real sense. And she was very nervous about that prior to give, you know giving birth. She was like, I, you know, I mean, because this, this is really the only, like, you know, I, I've relied on you in the past for X, Y, and Z, but like, nothing you've ever done, she, she like told it to me kind of like this, is nothing that you've ever done is something that I really can't do. It's just something that I'd rather you do in the partnership. But this is something that I need you. I actually need you to show up. And, and and I'm I'm nervous because I have to put I have to put all of that kind of trust in you to be able to take care of me and take care of Lillian, and um and that being able to meet her there in that moment was cool, and it yeah. was kind of and that also motivated my trying to be useful. Is I was like, yeah. hey, I got this. You're gonna be okay, and yeah. I'm gonna take care of you.
0: Yep. Something, something that I had anticipated. And it's because I see it in movies and TV shows, and and some people talk about this just in their own personal experiences. So this is for sure true for for lots of people, probably. I don't I don't know, um. But something I anticipated was like immediately falling in love with our daughter, like right out the womb, blood and all. I thought I was going to be like, I'm enamored, I'm absolutely in love with this, you know, this baby. I couldn't be further from the truth for me, you know, like. She came out, and she's you know slimy. Gosh, I want to say that she was beautiful. Oh. She, my daughter, <laughs> is beautiful. She's amazing. She's perfect. Just, I just love her so much, and and I love, I love who she is. In that moment, it was really hard to look at that that baby covered in slime, screaming. It looks a little weird, you know. The head is all misshaped because it just squeezed out of a human body. It it was hard for me in that moment to feel any real sense of like, you know, attachment to her. But gosh, something I did not anticipate was how much I was so freaking proud of Cassidy. There are pictures of us in there, in the operator or you know in the in the, the delivery room, and I'm like clearly I'm I'm tearing up. You know, my you know, I look emotional in there, and it's not one bit because of Eliza. You know, but it was like I was so proud of Cassidy and just like you're amazing. How did you do this? How does how does anyone do this? Like you're, you, I was just enamored with her and so proud of her. Um, and so it's fun to look back on those pictures because the first instinct right there is that, like, oh, my gosh, you know, it's so funny. You're, you know, you're crying the baby, whatever. It's like in all those pictures that I'm crying, I'm looking at Cassidy, <laughs> you know, I'm not looking at this baby who's just screaming. And um, and it's yeah, just a little for me, it was like kind of hard to look at. You know, now yeah. she's so easy to look at. I can't get, I, I don't want to, you know, don't get confused here. I love hanging out with my daughter and telling her she's beautiful because she isn't. But in that moment of birth, for me, I, I thought that I would just have this immediate attachment to her. And it was like that. Yeah, no, that wasn't it at all. But I, I felt so much closer to Cassidy.
1: I had the same experience. Well, it, and it wasn't like I. I didn't really expect it. But you do see, you do watch these movies and like TV shows and just different things. And it's like. You know, it's like the angelic light is shining down oh on the baby gosh. and like you know, you're they're also
0: always world. washed. They like come out of the womb oh. in these in these movies just like oh they're clean. Yeah, they're clean. They're just yeah, they're beautiful. They don't show the umbilical perfect. cord.
1: Yeah. Ugh. It's yeah. gross. It is gross. Did you like, ca- did you did oh well, no, no? I no, didn't, sorry, so sorry, I didn't yeah, get I to. Neither, I know. Yeah, God, so I'm sad. so sorry. I'm, I
0: shouldn't have brought yeah. that. Up. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, well, and if I have a son next, I mean, definitely going to do that and
0: also going to circumcise for sure. Come on. Yeah. really excited (laughs) to do that. (laughs) It's like, it's like, it's like the umbilical, it's like cutting a garden hose. It's no joke. Yeah. It's like. Talking about the, yeah. 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 The umbilical clamp. Yeah. It's like, made me feel like I started to look around at the nurses like, am I? Am I that weak or is, you know, what's going on? Yeah, <laughs> that's that's now?
1: what I've heard is it's like a it's like a rope or something oh, weird golly, like
0: that. It's no joke.
1: I will I, I will say one more for me was that um I expected Gabby to be the same sort of person
0: that she was oh, before.
1: Dude. And yeah. just she is so much more and I should have put this earlier in the podcast so I could have got brownie points, but like <laughs> she is just feminine and just I mean, there's all of these amazing traits that she did have before, but they've really just like been amplified yeah. by having a daughter. I mean, and by I mean by having a child. I mean, she's just like so nurturing and and loving and kind and just you see all of these amazing qualities and traits. And you're like, you know, and they're really just amplified by being a mom. Yeah. So it's just made yeah. me fall in love with her even more.
0: And that so I had a question I wanted to ask you and and now you've heard it here first folks. This I feel like this question and um, maybe I'm giving the question too much credit. But I feel like this question could be, you know, like an episode in and of in and of itself. But like that what you just mentioned about Gabby. The question I wanted to ask that we just didn't get time to, time for today was what has fatherhood brought out in you that you didn't anticipate? You know, when we're talking about expectations versus reality and and maybe how fatherhood changed just some of the core things that we might believe or adhere to that was one that I thought like has what has fatherhood brought out in you that you just didn't anticipate because i I could just talk about that forever yeah. like there are so many things about me that I wasn't i want to say that I sort of just wasn't prepared for of like oh my gosh you know, like i'm I'm all these new avenues of emotions and of of care and of discipline has come out since having a kid but anyway yeah that'll be another time yeah do you mind if I brag on brag. a brag? okay, so there's a dad um we'll call him uh we'll call him luke who uh, who's um almost an empty nester, um four kids and uh um I, th- I think he's an awesome dad for a million different reasons. I think he's just i love seeing him parent and and, and different avenues and all the things um but like with any dad, we're not going to get it perfect. You know, like no, no dad is, is just going to absolutely crush every, every time. And, and, uh, he, um, now, and, and just, you know, being almost an empty nester, he's got three kids out of the house. Uh, he's starting to get some feedback and which I also anticipate when I'm, you know, at that age, he's starting to get some feedback of like, oh, maybe he wasn't always the great, the greatest parent. You know, he's starting to, you know, hear that from his kids. Like, like, oh, yeah, maybe like this could have been better. This could have been better. And the reason I want to brag on him is cause I'm I'm seeing him receive that with grace and compassion. And he's so open to it. And and he's not, he's not, like, defending it. You know, he's not like, oh, well, you know, I, I just this or I just think differently or whatever. He's not, you know, he's not chalking it up to any of that. He's like, oh, I totally see what you're saying. And. And almost honestly, what it sounds like sort of just is making up for maybe some of those hurts or maybe those misunderstandings, whatever it is, just in that moment from how well he's receiving it and being open to it. And so uh, if there's any takeaway on that brag on a dad for any of us, it's that when when kids come up to us, you know, and this goes back to what I've talked about before is just this idea of safety of like, I want to be a safe parent to come up to approach even about feedback towards me you know is to receive that feedback with ensuring that they're safe to do that like this is a safe environment to process with me but also like dude i want to like you never stop parenting like there's always room to grow and to be better and like apologize for maybe what was missed in in the past and say like well gosh like i hopefully got another you know however many years on earth with you like let's make it better you know like i'm Mm -hmm. i'm looking forward to that um that time, you know, when Eliza can say, Hey dad, maybe when you did that, that wasn't, that wasn't like all that great for me. Cause I'm, that's going to happen, right? I'm not going to be perfect. So yeah. I want to be able to, in that moment, handle it as well as he has of just, yeah. I, thank you for sharing. Let's, let's process that and know that you're safe to, to have those thoughts with me. Well, and it
1: sounds like it's wise of him to discern what is my kid needing from me? Like, because you, your kid can come to you with one of two hearts like, um, hey, I, I was hurt by this as a kid and, you know, um, I didn't really appreciate the way you handled this. And to be defensive is like, oh, that's not good. And to, ex- you know, try to explain or, or whatever, like, that's not necessarily what they're seeking. What they're seeking is love and affirmation of like, hey, you know, I understand how you're feeling. I'm sorry. um, And, you know, yeah, this is maybe why I did that, but. Um, but yeah, I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. And, you know, I want to repair the relationship, and it sounds like he was wise enough to discern that that's what his kid was seeking. Um, I remember, like, you know, I had a conversation like this with my dad, and he was asking me like, "What are your, some different? What are some things you're going to do different with your kid?" This is what he asked me, yeah. and I yeah. was like, and I was like, "Oh, well, I might do X, Y, and Z differently." And he was very like, "Well, you know, this is why I did it that way." And I was like. Like, I don't care. Like, I mean, I, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I appreciate you giving me an explanation. I, you know, it, it didn't hurt. I, I'm not hurt by the way that you parented this way. So we can have a frank discussion and conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I appreciate the feedback of like, you know, of you explaining and kind of defending your position because that helps me to make a more informed decision when my kid comes along with the same kind of issue. Um, Because he was, you know, for me, it was like, you know, I didn't really feel like I was pushed very hard into sports. Like, I, you know, and I think I could have done more, you know, if I was pushed a little harder. But, you know, my dad was like, well, you weren't, you just weren't the kind of kid that would have enjoyed being pushed like that. And I was like, well, you know, maybe that's true. Because yep. I am that kind of person. I don't necessarily, I do well with a little bit of pushing, but you can push me over the edge where I'm like, sure. I don't really, you know, my spirit is broken. I think that's what he wanted to avoid. So I appreciated him giving, t- telling me, hey, it's it's not it's not a one size fits all. Your kid is going to be different and they may be do well with pushing, they may not. But, like, you have to discern wisely who your kid is and what. And so I appreciated that. But it didn't hurt. I wasn't yeah. hurt by that. I was just like, hey, it might have been more fun to be able to do X, Y, or Z. But, yeah, it's really cool that he was wise enough to discern my kid is hurt. I need to address that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um. Hey, if you guys have any brag on a dad's stories, send them send them our way at dadsbestguest at gmail.com. You can also get a hold of us on our Patreon. We'll have a link um, in the show description um, to that email and to our Patreon where you can uh, hop in and comment and um, let us know what you're thinking. And and uh, we'd love we really would love to hear from you guys and what you guys are processing through in your own fatherhood and parenting. Um, but also, certainly, if you have a dad to brag on, even if it's yourself, we're you're allowed to do that. We won't do it here, but. You're yeah, like you brag on yourself.
1: Yeah, just just don't don't be like, hey, I did this and it was great. You should you know give yourself a little uh, pen name or something.
0: Yeah, do it in yeah. third person and yeah. then yeah, sure, yeah, just be humble like that. Yeah, yeah, like subscribe, leave a review. Yep, let us know if you hate it or love it. But really if you love it, that that would be really nice. If you hate it, please email us instead and really let loose. At dad's best guess at I don't give a No, I'm joking. Don't do it. We do care. I wanna read it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, okay, Mike. I got Send the dad's joke today. Come on. Here we go. Alright. You ready for this? Ready. My
1: Ooh. wife bet me a thousand dollars. I couldn't turn spaghetti into a car. You should have seen her face when I drove pasta. <laughs>